show where we try and get better at doing the hard stuff that makes life exciting. Today I'm chatting with Wellington local Michael Fearless, uh, which is a great name to be coming on the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast with. Michael is a strength and conditioning coach based here in Wellington, uh, and he's a lot more than that as well, some of which we dive into in the podcast. Uh, we talk through a variety of topics today. We talk about mental health and well-being. Uh, we talk about depression. We talk about searching for challenge, chat through the transition from boyhood to manhood. We talk about ego, talk about the hero's journey, but probably one of the my favorite concepts that came out of this podcast was uh, was when we have a chat about empathetic problem solving as well. This is a great conversation with Michael. Parts of it are a little bit heavy, so if you or anyone that you know are struggling, feel free to reach out to myself or to Michael as well to, to have a chat. More than happy to converse with you. But yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to listen in today and enjoy the podcast. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with us. Michael Fearless, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is OK podcast. Thanks for taking the time to have a chat with me today. No problem, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And I've just been thinking, actually, like the last couple of days, I was like, I really like your last name and how it fits with the podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite spelled yeah. that, that way, no. but um, I was like, that's, that's yeah. cool. I always like to start with a little bit of background about people. So Michael, hmm. where were you born? Where did you grow up? So I was born here in Wellington. I'm one of the born and raised few. I grew up in, in Wilton, in the western suburbs of Wellington. Went through primary school there at Otari and also Onslow College. My work has been based in Wellington. I've, I've sort of been one of those career Wellingtonians, I suppose, as well, in that sense. And yeah, I love this place. I call it home and I just absolutely adore every time I go away and come back. It reminds me, it's sort of like a nice refresh of why I adore this city and the time that I spend in it. It's a pretty amazing city, actually. Mm. I, I really I really like it. I wasn't born and raised in Wellington. Mm. My wife was. Um, she went away and she's come back. And I've been here for mm. probably the last 12 years, mm -hmm. um, mm. on and off with a bit of travel. Yeah, it feels like home. And I think you kind of, you get sucked into to the city as well. If you're the type of person that, that likes the stuff that's going on here, mm. there's... Mm. I don't think there's any other place that's quite like it, eh? Yep. It's got a balance of everything, I think, which is the key for me, is yeah. uh, you can go and tap into the outdoors, or you can tap into the city, or uh, whatever your thing is, uh, seems to fit a lot of people. Yeah, and, like, and it only takes you sort of 10 or 15 minutes exactly. to do either of them, yep. to go either way. Yep. What do you remember from your childhood that's pointed you in, in the direction that you're, you're moving now? Great question. I think significant things were physical Physical times out with my dad shaped me in a, in a huge way. I've ended up in strength and conditioning. I work uh, in a physical job and I look back at times we had and how that shaped the sort of that chase of movement and I got, got that from my father a lot. Uh, he would take me out mountain biking, he'd take me out walking, came to all my sports games, things like that. I played a raft of sports when I was a younger person and he put me in some challenges that I wasn't mentally ready for at the time but I had to had to overcome uh, one example of that is we used to do this two-day mountain bike ride uh, called the Big Coast which starts in the back of Upper Hutt at Mainbourne you travel over the Rumatakas you ride out to the Wairapa Coast and then on the second day you ride all the way around the Wairapa Coast back into Wainui over the hill and into Eastbourne and it's about a hundred kilometer ride and the age limit on it was 11 
dad let me come along when I was nine and uh, I was a big nine-year-old it helped little challenges like that and to be fair to tell the truth on that the second day I did actually have a wee breakdown got to the the section as we crossed the river at Wainui and there's this one massive steep pitch we have to go up a up a hill and then you drop back in towards Eastbourne you ride around the coast there from the lighthouse and uh, I, I threw a wee tantrum fell off the bike and was like I'm not having any of this anymore and it just so happened that the Red Cross Land Rover was going past right at that moment and they gave me a lift up the hill which I was incredibly grateful for <laughs> but in saying that I came back and did the ride another probably four or five times and every year when I got to that hill I said right not this year I've got it and uh, that was a little test to see if on the second day I could in one hit without stopping ride that hill and uh, I've managed to every year beyond that so that was a cool little marker but it was it was challenges like that that I think shaped me heavily and knew that I had some capacity in my physicality that I could push push more I think the other side to my childhood was uh, I have that very physical side from my dad but my mother is just this most beautiful empathetic emotion driven human being and so I get the this very masculine energy but balanced with a very feminine energy from my mum's side and so that was where the care the emotions the conversations were happening she's a, 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 pr- a primary school teacher so just is just was just a wonderful person to have around at home when I was when I was growing up and taught me how to listen with emotion as opposed to listen with problem solving, you know, which is a, a skill I like to think I have a little bit of now and I'm very thankful for her for teaching me that side of, of life so I'm not too overly analytical all the time. And I mean I think there's there's a lot of stuff in that. Mm. I think well, like one of the ways that I think about listening as well is that I don't think emotion and problem solving need to be mutually exclusive when you're doing it. Mm. That actually, mm. I mean, in a lot of the, the work that we do, in my role mm. as a physiotherapist, your role as a, mm. as a trainer, there is all of the problem solving that you're doing, there is emotion tied up in that. And it's unpacking yeah. the emotion from that and mm. understanding the emotional context mm. that sits around whatever mm. these problems are that that people are faced with yeah. um, but also kind of doing that to yourself and, and, and spending some time to emotionally listen yeah. to yourself um, yeah. as you try and solve problems yeah. too so I think that they're both really kind of vital parts of mm. of moving forward and, and dealing with dealing with challenge and one yeah. thing that I was interested in with <clears> what you were saying there and feel free to come back to what I just cut you sure. maybe cut you off no, from. That's right. Have you talked to your dad about how he picked challenges for you guys to go on? Not in any great detail. No, it's a it's a great question. He enjoyed those kind of recreational activities, mm. and I guess you know, young man, you idolise your father naturally. Yeah. And I was like, cool, he likes that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and get involved yeah. in it too. And so, uh, mountain bike riding, walking in the outdoors, mm. things like that. We're we're a camping family, so we did a lot of a lot of camping out in sort of somewhat remote areas. Yeah. Not extreme, like going back, back blocks in the bush, but yeah, some nice dock camps that were just a running water, and that was it, sort of scenario. I haven't asked him directly why he no. chose those challenges and how he gauged whether I was ready or not. Yeah, yeah, that'd be whether, that yeah. might be a fascinating conversation. Be a fascinating yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah, I probably need to talk to my dad yeah, about that yeah. as well. Actually, great, great I always chat. come up with uh, yeah questions to ask people from this from this podcast. Yeah, jumping forward a little mm. bit you decided that you wanted to pursue a career in the strength and conditioning body yep. movement kind of sphere yep. was that something that you realized from a pretty early age yes yes and no where i finally ended up is probably not where i initially thought it was going to be but that's often the, the way with yeah. life we take some twists and turns and you've got to roll with that 
I've always, pretty much always worked within some form of physical activity. I've never ever had a desk job where I had to wear a suit or tie or anything like that. So I started when I left school, actually I trained as an outdoor instructor and I did that for a little while. Uh, and then ended up working within the Wellington City Council at pools, doing a mixture of lifeguarding, swim teaching, kayaking, instruction, things like that. And then I went on to work at a recreation centre, which was where I sort of dipped my toe in more in terms of what I'm doing now, and that I got to organise and run PE programs for junior school, basketball leagues, holiday programs, which involved all sorts of athletic type things and stuff in that area. And that was actually where I made the decision, because I was working with a bunch of young kids, and I was like, I'm sure... I can get more out of these kids if I had the knowledge to help them. And I had had some pretty horrific experiences with injuries during my teenage years. And that was what led me to go, oh, maybe if I gained a bit more knowledge, I could help some of these teenage guys prevent what I experienced in terms of setbacks with injuries and maybe stopping me from progressing in a sport that I'd chosen. So that was what led me to go back to study at age 23 and then dive right into the strength and conditioning area. Mm. What injuries have you had? Both back ones. So when I was between the age of 12 and 13, I, I had a growth spurt of 14 centimetres. So my skeleton just rocketed and the ligaments and tendons yeah. just could not keep up. And so mm. I was massively unstable. I was out of condition. I was carrying a little bit more weight on my body at that time. And I did something at, I believe it was cricket. I was playing, um, playing rep cricket at the time and it was actually a trial for my first 11 at Onslow. Yeah, trolling for the first 11, obviously giving it my all down the nets in the stadium. If anyone's been trialled down there, it is AstroTurf straight onto concrete. It's a really harsh mm. surface to bowl on, and I was a uh, medium quick left arm bowler. And I herniated a disc, and it put me off, out of sport for the best part of a year. I had to pretty much take the entire year off because I didn't have the skills myself and I didn't necessarily get access to the people who could shorten that time frame. Mm. So that happened and that would have been a January, February trial and then I missed out on playing first 11 football that year, which I was also in, and basketball, senior basketball team I missed out on as well because of that injury. My mum describes it as the worst year of living with me of my life because I was like a caged animal that couldn't couldn't get out and do anything. That was a challenging experience in my teenage years. I think, it, I think it shaped me a wee bit in terms of wanting to avoid that again. When I look back at that and go, okay, what, what's the knowledge I need to prevent something like that happening again? Yeah. Yeah, and that's... I mean, any type of injury is a, is a tough one mm. to get through, especially one that does take a year or so to, to come back from. And mm. I mean, hindsight's all, always a wonderful thing with it is like if I'd yep. done this maybe it would have gone maybe it would have gone differently yep. but I think there's always the if I'd done this maybe it wouldn't have done anything differently as well 100% so with your strength and conditioning work at the moment mm-hmm. who do you work with? so I work at the at the Health Fit Collective and it's a little small group uh, of experts in different areas uh, we have a range of sort of in-phase rehab experts, we have strength and conditioning coaches, we have massage therapists, we have uh, uh, on-site physios who run clinics and things here as well. We try to, we try to offer a, a sort of a, an, an all-encompassing type package and we tend to take a holistic view towards health and wellness uh, where we look at, the, look at the person, the whole person first before addressing a single issue, generally speaking. It's a really great team and I've uh, been privileged to be here for about three and a half years now and I've gained a lot of knowledge from the from some of the people that I work with here, so it's been a real privilege. Yeah, and I think it's that's an important part of it as well, mm. is that it's the understanding the macro, so you mm. can 
focus on the micro within that context as well 100 percent. yeah like, yeah emotional problem solving yeah, yeah yeah and yeah as you said earlier a lot of a lot of clients it is picking apart that emotional block prior to applying exercise to that problem because they may have be having a stress response to something that they have a belief around and until we negotiate that piling on a whole bunch of you know a whole lot of interval sessions or hit workouts is only going to add to the the, the problem of, of their stresses yeah mm, definitely and I think mm. I kind of think about it from a loading perspective as well as that mm. you've obviously you've got the physical load that you're doing out in the gym or, or in your workouts mm. but you've also got that emotional load that's there as well and sometimes the combination of both of those together the person just is unable to handle although in saying that sometimes exercise is great for just getting rid of some of that other load can be yeah and it's an interesting balance about yep. how you load someone up physically mentally and emotionally and, yeah. and kind of playing within that within mm. that context as well as to how they how they respond to it you've always been interested in in challenges uh, yeah. and in pushing yourself a little bit and you've done a paddle not too long ago not too long ago can yeah. you can you tell us about how you decided hey this is something that i wanted to mm. do and also what what it was that you were wanting to do mm. okay so Chris was saying earlier in the year, uh, end of March in fact, I decided to paddle a kayak across the Cook Strait. I did that as a solo paddler. I had a support crew, but uh, didn't make contact with context, uh, contact, I should say, with them at all during the trip. I just they let me go, and I met them at the other side, sort of thing. Probably decided, or had the idea in my mind, maybe a year, two or three years beforehand. It was sort of you know fantasy type construct initially it was like oh that would be a that would be an interesting thing to take on and then I actually spoke to my dad about doing it with him in a double kayak being that he does a lot of the physical challenges as well we sort of spoke about that and the idea sort of evolved a little bit and then probably between that two years out to one year out I realized that it needed to be a challenge that I did myself I didn't know exactly why to start with. I just had this feeling that it needed to be something that I took on and I overcame and did all the work and just put myself out there into something that I didn't necessarily know I could actually achieve and, and or finish. What I learned later was that I created myself a little rite of passage and that's how I like to frame it is as I took on a challenge. It was in the physical realm, but there was a lot of emotion tied to it as well uh, that I had, we talked about, I had to negotiate that load throughout the experience. And yeah, and just had to had to create myself this journey from what I've now realised is from a, a childlike mindset to a more adult mindset. Yeah. And how did you notice, or how did your mindset shift from beforehand to mm. afterwards when you're talking about the childlike mindset to the adult, more adult mm. mindset? A huge thing for me was actually taking responsibility. I had this, I had a belief system around myself, which uh, we didn't actually touch on, which shaped my childhood quite significantly. I was, I was, I was dyslexic, and I didn't find out I was dyslexic until I was 15 years old. And so my relationship with anxiety started at age five when I went to school and started being tested. So there's this, I had a, a relationship with shame that meant I did not, didn't believe that I could be responsible to actually take on anything and fully see it through because I'd always struggled with those steps at school and so into my adult life I think I did that classic Kiwi male thing I guess of if I don't think I can do it and do it well I'm just going to avoid it and push it Mm. to the side and I don't want to talk about why and if it's too hard I'm just going to ignore it yeah and I'm not going to ask myself why yeah as well don't want to question it I'm just going to do the things that I'm good at because that strokes my ego and and it makes me feel like a big big boy you know whatever that kind of mindset is 
and I carried that a long way through my 20s in fact in fact until I turned 30 even it was it was still present yeah the transition through taking on this challenge was me proving to myself that I was able to see something large that it was seen that I deemed as large in my own mm. my own perspective of the world as something that I could actually organize see through and follow through on the responsibility of saying I did I'm gonna do something and then I did it uh, so that was that was a big part of what transitioned me from operating in a childlike mindset to where I feel like I am now most of the time not always I can't say it's all 100% but uh, more of the time I spend operating in an adult responsibility taking mindset now yeah mm. and I think sometimes you still it's okay to drop <laughs> yeah. back into that, that oh, kid course. mindset as yeah, well yeah. and uh, just think oh, yeah. I don't want any responsibilities today I'm just yeah. gonna I'm just gonna relax and I think that's a like that's a really interesting thing in terms of there's no real rite of passage for young males anymore. Mm. Mm. It's not like we go out and kill a lion or go and yeah. do this kind of big adventure where we where we mm. transition from boyhood to manhood like mm. tribal cultures used to do. So it's yep. it's almost the sort of lack of accountability that you mm. that you feel as a as a young male that hey I'm this is not my fault yep. but I'm entitled to all of this stuff and mm. it's it's changing from that to actually how do I become responsible how do I become a leader how do I take ownership of all of the things that I of my actions but all of the things that I want to happen as well yeah hundred percent yeah it's it's critical to take ownership because the second the second you do I know from my personal experience was it was almost like I realigned with with the pathway that I wanted to be on. I felt very strongly that I was at this, prior to doing the paddle, I was at a fork in the road of like, okay, I continue with this behavior, but it's not leading me where I want to be. It's like, I want to be over there, but something's going to have to shift. There had to be that process and that massive change of mindset through a journey that, that led me to the other side of that fork and started moving in that direction. Are you able to give like an example of like some of the behaviors that weren't serving you at the time or weren't kind of pushing you towards the direction mm. that you wanted to go? Yeah, sure. I think for me, it was that pushing away responsibility. I could tell when something was, was getting too hard and it, can be, it could be within work. There was some pressure situations at work that I can think about where I dropped the ball. I just didn't follow up with people at the right time through knowing that it was going to be a difficult thing and I didn't really want to have that conversation. And... Yeah, that affected my work. In terms of my my personal life, I was not necessarily having all of the tough conversations within various relationships that would have opened doors to a much more settled and mutually understood space. But I would just let my ego get in the way and say, oh, there must be something wrong with them. You know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can from this side. It's, it surely can't be me. You know, that kind of, that kind of thinking. And when I finally sort of started to let go of that and clicked in with that more empathetic side of me I felt like I was operating from my heart and from my gut a bit more as well there was a lot of this logical kind of I can push this over here it's fine I, you know I'll get away with that and don't need to have that conversation or whatever that challenge is that I don't necessarily want to take on because I think it could be tough and then you started feeling like you're coming from more your emotional center and actually yes it was still hard but going through those barriers with people led to just this totally different realm on the other side of of connection a connection was a huge thing that i discovered through putting the ego to one side and and going hey let me actually see you and talk to you and let's get your perspective on this mm. Mm. yeah and i think that, like that's a that's a really interesting way to think about it as well as that 
I mean, it's it's kind of that, that childlike mindset, but there's a lot of ego. Yeah, the ego is very childish. In that, and yeah. it's almost kind of transitioning from that, that child to adult mindset is mm. you actually, you, you start to drop the ego because yes. you realize that, hey, that's not that important. Mm. 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 Well, it's not serving me well in, the, in this environment. I and mean, mm. it's, it's an important thing. It'll keep you safe in a lot of mm. environments to, to still have a bit of ego. And sometimes it'll propel you into to do things that you didn't necessarily think you were capable of so I think it's still a useful tool mm. it's just about but using it, it as a tool yes. rather than having it use you yes yeah correct so there was this idea there's this concept and mm. you kind mm. of started on the process yeah. but partway through the process you also you, mm. you fell into some depression as well how did that come about how did it come about so yeah I'd probably and what was interesting to me is I'd even though I was on the I was on the spiral down after I made the decision to do the paddle. So I'd actually committed to it in January, February 2018. And then probably a good three to four months later, I was probably had my kind of rock bottom moment, so to speak. Leading into that, I had had, I'd had my 30th birthday, which was a significant thing. I think there was that whole ego, ego driven thing of, oh, well, you've just, turn 30 have you have you got the house have you got the the wife have you got the babies on the way have you got the white picket fence uh, all the traditional markers that perhaps I thought I should be achieving and didn't necessarily have yet that was probably a part of it the straw that broke the camel's back as well is that my my brother and his partner moved over to Vancouver for two years and I'm heavily connected with my siblings and they both moved out of the city within one year of one another and and that kind of was a little bit of a break point for me when they left and yeah, that completed the spiral, and I remember, for me, it was probably the, one of the toughest and most uncomfortable things I had to do in that year was sitting down with my parents and just convincing them that I wasn't trying to, wasn't thinking about or going to try and take my own life. They could see where I was at, and it was a concept that was on my mind, but I never took it any further. And it was very lucky that I had the support of beautiful support from my parents, even though I scared the hell out of them, and I still never want to see that look on their their face ever again. And from there, it was just a case of, right, I've hit bottom, so and I can't deal with this, and I needed to put my hand up. So it was at that point I said, okay, I actually need to seek some help, and, and I did, and got some professional help on board, as well as starting to come clean with some friends who already had a rough idea of what was going on, but hadn't, hadn't got that, that tip of the iceberg type scenario where, I could see there was something off because the behaviors on the surface weren't quite the same but there was also once I opened up to them and said oh you know this is this is where I've been at the last little while and I'm really struggling there was just again it's that connection thing the second you were vulnerable mm. the vulnerability is like a superpower man honestly you you start being really open with people you make instant connection there is no judgment you only see compassion and it's a beautiful thing when you can be truly in that place place with another human yeah mm. when you first mm. asked for help how do yeah. you go about that because I think that's something that we don't really talk about we yeah. say to people hey yeah. ask ask your mates if they're okay mm. and mm. sometimes they'll tell you stuff but I think yeah. also it needs to be like from a practical perspective how do you mm. go about asking mm. for help yeah so I think the first thing was obviously having the conversation with my family the direct people that were in the the tightest of the trust circle I think it's important to be open with those people first and hopefully you get a really positive compassionate response from those people and then I would say work out work gently out of Mm. that ring for where I was at personally I had to reach out to a professional I knew I couldn't unpack what I was experiencing myself and I knew there were people out there that had training and how to do that 
So I actually reached out to a client of mine who I knew was a psychotherapist and I just simply sent her an email and said, hey, I'm really struggling with a couple of things. Have you got a colleague that you would recommend that I could go and talk to? And she came back straight away and said, see this lady, Amy? And so I went to her website, had a quick read of a, of a few bits of information, a few testimonials, and booked in a session with her uh, as soon as I could. And it actually took a while to get into Sarah. It took about three to four weeks. You know, that was a... There was a tough waiting period, to be honest, because where I was at, I was like, I need help right now. So in that meantime, I think the critical thing that I knew I had to do was be social. I had to go out and be social with my friends. And so I remember at the time, it was Burger Wellington. That's a, a two and a half week period where a bunch of the restaurants around the city compete in a, in a burger making competition. And so I was out two to three times a week with friends just going to eat burgers. And it was that simple. And it made me feel... A million times better to be around people that I cared about just doing something social talking a bit of talking a bit of rubbish just having that that chat with the guys as well where it was just light-hearted I think it was a huge thing on the weekends I know a lot of the boys deliberately went out of their way to come over and see me or make sure I came to things and uh, and got me involved in just having a laugh because I think laughter is so healing in that scenario mm-hmm. and it's all it's all normal things I think that's the critical thing is it's not anything special you don't have to change the way that you talk to a friend who's struggling with depression or anxiety that much i think just come from a come from an emotional compassionate perspective and and then treat them normally because i think that's the thing you fear as a person in that mode is that people are going to start alienating you or treating you different because you can tell where you're at and you wonder how much they can see from the outside so that was a that was a big fear I think in, in terms of putting the hand up and how they were, how they were going to respond to that because I think a lot of people thought I had from the outside looking in or seeing that tip of the iceberg they they thought I had it kind of all together had a pretty reasonable job I was living in a nice flat up in Northland with a harbour view had the had the car uh, you know all these little typical markers that I probably sought out through through ego driven decision and then they were quite surprised when. When uh, you know, when I came out and said, "Oh, you know, I'm, I'm at rock bottom. I need help, guys." And, and yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, I think these these problems, these, these challenges, don't discriminate. Mm. Um, that that a lot of people uh, face them at some some point in in their life, and it doesn't matter sort of who you are or what your background mm. is or or how well society deems you to be doing. Mm. There's yep. the, there's always um, there's always something deeper that a lot yeah. of, that we that we don't see with people yeah. as well, and I think like from a from if you're looking to help someone with with depression as well um, or anxiety is is trying to be non-judgmental mm. about yeah. your responses to yeah. people as well because yeah. you don't know yeah. the context with them and yeah. you don't. You, you don't fully understand no matter how much mm. they tell you you don't fully understand no. what's going on or kind of how how their life to this point has, has shaped yep. them yep. and that you're always looking at things through your own lens your own and lens. trying yep. to drop a little bit of the ego around that as well yep. and it's it's hard sometimes mm. you you find yourself mm. you think well why don't you just do that yeah um yep but again, that's that's your your own viewpoint. That's not the um, that's not something or that the person that is in that in that moment um, 
is sometimes aware of or totally actually has the ability to to go and do hundred mm, percent when you're stuck in that it's it's like what you and I deal with within our professions is that you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink until they're ready yeah know? and sometimes um, yeah. actually that drink isn't the right drink for no, them as well the you right just time. you yeah. just think it is yeah um, exactly yeah. from your lens yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's fascinating um, with that like when when you hit that point Michael mm. did the did you ever think about throwing in the challenge um, yeah there were probably for sure there were moments uh, I think I did take a period of time away from paddling as well there was probably a two to three month period where uh, I was feeling really unwell and and the weather wasn't so flash in Wellington <laughs> which <laughs> contributed, contributed into wanting to go outside and battle the wind and rain in the Wellington Harbour uh, when I was feeling like that was very unappealing so I'm sure there were moments uh, but I think over time I realised more and more that's when it sort of focused me and said okay this is this is what you need this is where you you need to put your focus into something that's going to pull you out of this and I had that realisation reasonably early but I think it just took a bit of time to sort of get me back to a point where I felt comfortable with trying to get out there and, and pursue something again mm. um, and there were definitely days that, yeah, there were days man I can remember being out there um, I get incredibly frustrated personally with inefficiency and uh, I would be out in my boat uh, trying to battle away against the Wellington Northerly which is the, kind of the prevailing wind here and it's tends to be especially the northwest is incredibly gusty it creates a short chop in the harbour and it is an absolute nightmare to paddle a boat in uh, and I can actually remember what I described to my work colleagues as rage paddling one day where I literally the music I was listening to was like some heavy drum and bass and I was literally screaming at the waves while I was while I was paddling through them trying to get back from Soames Island one day and uh, so letting that in that sense, I guess letting that emotion out was a powerful thing because I felt a lot better when I got back. But uh, you had to put your head down and just get get into that ugly zone to get through a couple of those couple of those periods for sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. What was the hardest thing about the paddle itself on the day? Yeah, interesting question. Uh, the hardest part in and there's a story behind this is that through this journey of uh, sort of hitting rock, rock, rock bottom with the depression is I realised that the relationship I had with my old man was was too masculine and it was it was tearing me away from him because I was trying to move towards a more open empathetic energy and he was still, still stuck in his 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 lens and his viewpoint uh, uh, and I found it really difficult to have conversations with him that I wanted to have because uh, he, he found it very difficult to switch out of uh, analytical thinking into just listening and being empathetic with what another human is saying in front of you. Uh, so that was sort of tearing our relationship apart a wee bit. Uh, and so the hardest decision on the day, because me and dad had such a history of doing all these physical challenges together, is that he drove me down to the wharf uh, unloaded all my boat and gear and then we got on the boat to go out to, to do this to do the crossing seeing him standing at the wharf and waving waving goodbye to him there was this real visceral feeling in my gut of this is this is the moment where I do this this is where I transition 
uh, and it's fascinating in retrospect looking back at it because I was expecting some wild epiphany to happen when I was in the mid straight battling away. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just going to be this moment where I had all this clarity and it was all going to you know be clear as to how I move forward and. That never happened. In fact, the actual paddle itself, I feel embarrassed to say, was not that difficult. <laughs> which says something about my training and the preparation and things like that. Mm. But And we picked a really great day, which helped. But it, it, to be honest, I could have got back in the boat and turned around and, and had a crack at going back. And, and maybe that challenge will come. But I didn't hit my wall on the day. But there was a definitive moment when I reflect back on the experience of waving to dad and separating me from that childlike state that you sometimes fall into with your parents until you make a deliberate transition into choosing to be an adult. And I think a lot of young men do get do get kind of caught in that. Uh, uh, some people in my friend group, uh, and I think knowing how to change that relationship and start acting in a certain way that actually teaches the other person that you've, you've shifted because their lens is probably gonna be still focused on where you were Mm. And when you've you've made a deliberate shift, sometimes it can be a challenge to bring that person's lens over to where you are now. Uh, and so you have to be very deliberate with your actions around that and show them consistently until their lens shifts and then they identify you as that new version of yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really important. And that's mm. a cool way. I like how eloquent you were in describing mm. that as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've obviously thought about that a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Um, just before we wrap things up, Michael, mm. I've got a couple mm. of questions sure. that I like to ask everyone towards mm. the end. The first is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and why was that uncomfortable for you? <laughs> well, just before we, uh, I was describing to Chris, uh, before we got going, uh, the team here at Hellfit is doing a performance challenge and we had to do a workout today, which only took uh, just under six minutes but it's one of the most horrific well-known crossfit workouts called Fran and I pushed myself to the absolute red line and it was incredibly uncomfortable but going into I guess going into something else uh, I from a, that's the physical realm and I like to look at both sides yeah. uh, I think the emotional realm I've had to I've had to have some open chats in my in my relationship recently which have have been uncomfortable because my ego showed up again in, in a couple of situations and it led me to behave in a certain way that I thought was ugly and didn't, I didn't like and I, and I was working really hard to, to not behave in that way within, within this relationship I'd made a clear decision that this time I was going to do that differently and so when that showed up having to then front up and be like I'm, I'm sorry that, that came out of me and how do we how do we move forward from this and what's your perspective on it and can I hear hear how it made you feel that that kind of thing and actually being a bit more a bit more real about that kind of thing rather than just sitting back and going oh well just deal with it you know that's me you know which is with the old the old version so yeah. that was that was yeah that's been pretty uncomfortable I've had to challenge my dad on a few things and have a couple of uncomfortable conversations with him too which has been successful so I'm really pleased about that cool cool what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do yeah right that's a great question it's interesting I have been thinking about that a bit more because as I as I said when I was describing my my kayak journey I didn't I didn't find my wall and I think I do need to find something in the future that does does test me in a more physical and emotional way I would like to use that that experience to propel me into something bigger and better 
I can't honestly tell you what that is right now. But yeah, hopefully something will be on yeah. the horizon. I yeah, Matt, we were just talking about the six six three three Arctic Ultra yeah. just before, yeah. so there's, yeah. there's always that. Yeah. <laughs> Could go straight to the top yeah. shelf. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can hook you up with Paul Watkins and yeah. uh, you can yeah. have a chat with him about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael, I've got a couple of other quest- mm. quick questions for you, mm. mate. But I just want to say thank you so much for for taking the time to mm. uh, have this conversation with me today, mm. but also taking the time to and taking the responsibility to have this conversation as well and, and mm. be so open about your journey and mm. what has been going on for you in terms of spreading this out to other people so that mm. hopefully they can mm. learn from it and, and you can support them with that as well. I yeah, really 100%. appreciate it. Yeah, cheers, man. Thank you. If people want to follow along with the stuff that you're doing, is there a way that they can do that? I've been posting most of my stuff on my personal Instagram, which is just uh, MJ Fearless, or I'm... Uh, some of the stuff ends up on the the HealthFit pages as well, and that's just HealthFit on uh, on Facebook or, or Instagram as well. Cool. And that's kind of where the main sources are. Yeah, I'll throw some, throw some links yeah, up yeah, to yeah. that. Final question for you. Mm. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been doing some talks uh, to businesses about this this whole thing, and one of the, the challenges that I leave them with at the end is a pretty simple one that I, I picked up off a guy who's also a Wellington-based dude called Mel Winnie, and he, he sets people this task, and I thought it was just so simple and so beautiful. Uh, you literally get an A4 sheet of paper, draw a line down the middle, and draw a line across the top section. And, and on one column, you're gonna put at the top, add positive, and on the other side, remove negative. Down the add positive, you're gonna write down, say, I don't know, start with say five or 10 things that you can pick easily that would add positivity that to your life right now that you're not currently uh, incorporating in your week. And then look at the parts of your week that are currently a little bit negative or maybe think you're draining you a wee bit and list down some things that perhaps are only adding negative and you think maybe there's room for improvement on. Take one from each side, just start with one. It's just a really simple, simple way to get going. So add one positive into your week and try to remove or create some barriers or some space around one of your negatives. and we did this with a few people and they were quite surprised at how simple it seemed but how profound it was just by shifting one thing out and one thing in to change their perspective and their their, their general feel of positivity around their week yeah that's a cool challenge man that's mm. a very cool challenge Michael Fearless mm. thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today no problems Chris it's been a pleasure thank you there you have it team that was a great conversation with Michael. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'd really encourage you to take on his challenge as well. So what's one thing that you can add to your life that's going to make it better? And what's one thing that you can remove from your life that's going to make it better as well? And just by by switching that round a little bit, you'll be amazed at what changes come for you. And I would love to hear how you go with that. I'll make sure to post up what I'm doing on social media as well couple of thank yous as always thank you Jylan for your awesome editing thank you to my brother Jeremy Desmond for the amazing theme music and thank you as always to you guys as well for taking the time to get uncomfortable with Michael and I today 